Welcome to the Opbank Cast Volume 1.5. Done one podcast already, so why not already veer off on a wild tangent, right? Uh, <laughs> it's like a half a one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the point five. Yeah, exactly. So the, the reason why we're here today is because we want to talk about wrestling, and uh, wrestling didn't really fit into our regular podcast format, uh, namely because Sean hates wrestling. Yep. So uh, we've got a very special guest here today, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about wrestling for a little while. So sitting across from me, I have the Wisconsin Rattlesnake. He's a man who is a uh, just just a few revisions away from being or having a master's in media studies from the distinguished University of Wisconsin Milwaukee. Uh, he's none other than Stone Cold Steve Coleman. So, Steve, thanks for being here today. Hey, give, give me a hell yeah! <laughs> what does Coleman three sixteen say? Uh, it says, "I want to be president." That was my campaign slogan in high school. It says, "I want president. to be president." I want to be your president. And you would get my vote, Steve, for sure. And, and I won, actually. <laughs> That's actually yeah. impressive. Well, I mean, it was during the Attitude Era, I'm sure, so... Yeah, oh, yeah, right in, the, right in the middle of it. Perfect. Excellent marketing. What was your opponent's slogan? Uh, I don't know, but he legitimately <laughs> threw a hammer at somebody. Kind of like <laughs> threw a hammer at someone? He threw a, he's a stage crew guy, and he, got, he snapped one day, he threw a hammer at another student, like, whapped her right in the thigh. Wow. And kind of, like, ruined his chances, so... <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, that, that can... That can the writing was <laughs> on the wall exactly. right the whole time. <laughs> Things are getting dark here already. Uh, all right, and to my left, uh, I have a very distinguished guest. He is a PhD candidate. I'm not. Well, I'm a student. I gotta take the like the exams to be a candidate. Okay. Well, let's just call you that because I don't know what else. <laughs> right. A PhD student <laughs> uh, at at the University of Minnesota. Correct. And uh, none other than the soon to be Doctor of Style. Casey Carmody. Yeah, I'm dancing right now. He is. He's dancing. Yeah. He's got on a wonderful suit, too. <laughs> yeah, well, and I a, do it. And I a can. fedora. Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, just like the good father, my hero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> on that note. Something I was going to say, but not say it. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, there was just a WWE pay per view recently. Uh, if you could call it that, it was more like a glorified episode of Raw, if you ask me. Um, mm hmm. So let's talk about the colossal shit pile that was Battleground 2014. Uh, I figure we can start off maybe talk about uh, real quick just our high point, low point in the in the pay per view. Steve, do you want to, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm just still trying to figure out why this pay per view even exists. Like, there's no gimmick to it. There's no real reason for it existing other than it's just like a placeholder between. I don't, what was the last pay per view? Money in the bank. Money, Money in, in the, the bank. bank. Okay, yeah. which has yeah, gotten fun. which has gotten pretty big. That's fun, um, but. Battleground, there's really no point to it. Like, I don't even get the name of it. There's just... No. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny that you said that because I, I actually thought it was called Backlash. Um, <laughs> and I, I literally just watched it, and, I, and I, was, I just wanted to get a few notes on it for this podcast, and I kept uh, Googling Backlash 2014, and I kept getting things just like, Backlash has been discontinued in 2009. I was like, no, it isn't. I just watched it. But I was thinking about this and what the pay-per-view kind of... Because they're doing a pay-per-view. They're doing 12 of them this year, right? Mm -hmm. So that's about once a month. Yeah, once a month. And what this really seemed like to me was like when you would watch Lost. You know, before the season finale, there had to be like three or four episodes where it's just moving the chess pieces in place, right? Yeah. Uh, and this was moving the chess pieces in place for SummerSlam, presumably. I mean, it's like they had to do it because they're like, mm -hmm. it's a pay-per-view. We want the money or yeah. we want people to subscribe to the WWE Network. Yeah. So let's put the places in... 
Oh no, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with but, you. But I mean, it, it seemed like the world's worst chess game, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's that. And I was under the impression too, when they were promoting it, they wanted to entice people to get the WWE Network because like Battleground's going to be so great. And if that was their yeah. goal, they fell way short. Well, of that. JBL and the King didn't shut up about it the entire time. It was just. Come on, Michael, we're going to get the WWE Network. You can get all the pay-per-view. That was just everything, everything. Every five seconds, that's what they're hooting and hollering about. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was it was really disappointing. It honestly felt like a mediocre episode of Raw for me. Um, for me, though, the, the high point was definitely Usos versus Wyatt's. Uh, it was a great match, I thought. Uh, but at the same time, it kind of sucks that that was the best match because I think we've all seen the Usos and Wyatt's 40, 50 times now? I mean, how many times have you seen that match on Raw and pay-per-views? I mean, and this time we got it, we got three three falls, so there was that. It's probably as many times as I saw the natural disasters in the Bushwhackers <laughs> back in the 90s. What a few that was. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a, it was probably, I mean, that was my favorite match of the evening. Okay. And then, I mean, it started out, it was the first match of the evening, too. And it was the best one. They all kind of went downhill, yeah, from, all there. downhill from there. But the the problem is, is that this is the basically the same match that we saw in Money in the Bank, right? Yep. And, I mean, how long can you drag this feud out? How many times? Because the uh, Wyatts, they lost last time, too. They just keep losing to the Usos. And unless they're setting up, like, this huge, awesome match at SummerSlam, they've already done the two out of three falls. But they're going to do something bigger at SummerSlam, and presumably the Wyatts. Hopefully, they win. You know, yeah. I'm hoping for Rowan Harper, but that I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. But mm-hmm. it was the best match of the night, I thought. And from there, just heading downhill. Yeah, and with the Usos and the Wyatts, and Steve and I were actually talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, it's it seemed kind of odd when the Usos won because again, great match, but it seems like it's time for the WWE to move forward and, and switch the titles over. And by having this match over and over and over again, and the Usos, you know, continuously retaining the titles, you're devaluing the Wyatts. Yeah. And you're also devaluing the Usos because I mean, on main event, if anybody watched that, you know, the six people out there with the WWE Network probably saw it. Uh, Jimmy or Jay, one of them, he lost to like Ryback or something. Yeah. Which isn't even surprising. I mean, they constantly are either uh, fighting as a tag team or individually and getting killed on television. So, Well, but one of the other problems, I think, with the, the tag teams right now is who are the other tag teams in the WWE? Yeah, that's it's, an excellent point. Yeah, I mean, it's like you got the Wyatts, you've got the, the Usos, uh, Goldust and Stardust. And, uh, Rybaxel. But I think they're breaking up, too. Like... It's, I mean, the Goldust Stardust thing kind of gets me excited for the Wyatts sure. to win because I think that would be a really interesting television. Mm-hmm. You know, the promos alone would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, I guess Heath Slater has been tagging with uh, Titus O'Neil. Oh, for fuck's sake! Uh, <laughs> oh boy, the Matadors who really weren't that good to begin with. One of them's hurt, so you don't have him. So you don't really have them. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it. You yeah. don't have any tag teams. The only thing I can think of is down in NXT, the, the tag team champions mm-hmm. there, who their name, it just totally out of my head. I, I forget what they're called. But I guess they've been completely dominant, so maybe you're going to bring them up soon and then have them be competitors. So that's, that's the only thing I can think of. Sure. Okay, uh, so after Usos and Wyatts, uh, well, let's talk, about, let's talk about low point for you. What was, what was your low point in the Battleground pay-per-view? I, I'm going to go with the fact that Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose did not actually have a match. Oh, God. <laughs> that, <laughs> uh, I mean, that 
I understand the the gimmick of just Dean Ambrose. I I like Dean Ambrose. I've really been liking him a lot. And just the fact that they just didn't have a match, period. It's just him running around, getting kicked out. Although it was kind of funny that he was hiding in the trunk of a car. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated that. Seth Rollins was like, I don't don't need your security. I'm going to be fine. Everybody's going to be in the trunk. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, just the fact that there was no match and Rollins still went out to the ring and declared me the winner – yeah. I'd like to see a wrestling match. Yeah, and it really, it really felt like a raw segment to me. Yeah, and you know, of course, Triple H. Well, that's, that's what's best for business. Oh, it's best for business when you don't have a really great match that was going to be on the card, and then you just, you just don't do it. I don't, I don't really understand that. Uh, how about you, see? What, what was your low point? Uh, for me, I guess right now it's the Intercontinental Championship Battle Royal. Oh um, God, that was yeah. Because <laughs> I, I fucking hate the Miz. Like there's no. Are you telling me you didn't enjoy the uh, the Miz hiding on the outside thing that was literally telegraphed for like a full twenty minutes? Right. <laughs> and right. it's it's empirical fact that the Miz is awesome. So I don't know. <laughs> he says it before his music plays. That's how we know. I just they keep trotting this guy out every few months, and they still expect him to get a reaction out of people and like nobody cares yeah he's just a wiener meanwhile Dolph Ziggler who everybody loves mm-hmm. like is always just kind of like you know yeah. being fed to the sharks well Dolph Ziggler has a problem where the fans love him but if, if you watch some of his matches I can understand why the WWE is hesitant to put a belt on him yeah he's a bit of a risk yeah <laughs> he he takes bumps way too hard way too hard and on top of that a lot of times when he gets like you know psyched up or whatever, he works way too fast. And actually saw that at the end of the Battle Royal. If you go back and watch that thing with him and Sheamus, <laughs> he goes to do like a, I think it's it's called a, when you when you jump on somebody and start punching him. It's called like a Fez press, I think. Mm-hmm, sure. Okay, so he goes to do a Fez press, and you're supposed to wait until the guy stands up, so then you can jump on him, mount him, and punch him. So Sheamus is on like one knee, just barely getting up. And then Ziggler is working way too fast, so he does this Thez press, and like you just see Sheamus bend in half, and it's just this weird sloppy thing. JBL and and the, and King were like, I don't that that's something. Hey, it's a that. move. That that was a move that he just did. <laughs> and you, you can't have stuff like that. People are gonna get hurt. He's gonna hurt himself, and it's not like a once in a while thing for him. He does shit like that constantly. But I mean, the idea of the Miz just sitting outside of the ring the entire time—I think he was in the ring for maybe a total of a minute and a half. Yeah, that's that's probably accurate. Yeah. Well, how about uh, Heath Slater eliminating Cesaro? <laughs> oh God, that hurt <laughs> too. What? Who did Cesaro piss off? I don't know. Yeah, that's—I could not believe that. I mean, it's one thing to have not have him win, okay, but Heath fucking Slater, literally the guy who—I mean, his entire shtick for. Well, like two years now has been just like, oh, I'm going to get killed in every match that I wrestle in. It's, <laughs> it's embarrassing. I mean, Flo Rida just knocked him out on Monday. So <laughs> what, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty rough. Well, and actually, my low point from the night uh, came during the, the Battle Royal as well. Uh, and that was uh, watching the great Kali bend his knees. <laughs> <laughs> the great Kali is, he looks like he's dying. I just, I just watching his him move. It makes me uncomfortable. I can't. He looks can't worse than Andre the Giant in the late eighties. Yeah, exactly. He. And it's he, really hard to watch. It's incredibly difficult to watch. But he has a great Twitter handle or like a Twitter feed. If you get a yeah. chance, it's all it's all selfies. What? <laughs> For the I, most part, yes. Great yes. Yeah. 
I'm glad they, they trotted him out on Raw, too, so he could do his, you know, his one move, his, like, weird, like, palm slap oh, thing, yeah. and then, yeah, get his ass kicked by Rusev. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... Great Collie selfies. <laughs> the, 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 the Collie... <laughs> are you taking a look at it? I'm looking at it right I think now. BuzzFeed or something featured it today, so I can't say that I, I knew this on my own, but it just... It's great. And there's nothing that prefaces these pictures. It's just, like, a link to the picture. It's just him standing. <laughs> yeah. And what? doing nothing. Yeah, look at that. What, oh, what's God, his Twitter handle? Let's put him over here quick. It's, uh, <laughs> it's at Great Kali. Yeah. At Great Kali. Make sure you follow him. All, all six of you who are listening out there. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about Usos and Wyatt's. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Divas Championship match. Uh, I actually I, I was interested in this match because... Uh, I've been I've been trying to pay really close attention to the Divas Division because I don't understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, WWE's in this weird situation where they're obviously trying to be more family friendly, you know, the PG era or whatever. Um, and at the same time, they're uh, the women wrestlers, or the Divas, are getting very popular. They have a, sh- a reality show on the E Channel, which I didn't know anybody watched, but apparently it does I really watched, well. I watched the first episode the other night on the, the okay. network. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've caught bits and pieces sure. of it, um, so they're, they're they're really popular. But you can't do the normal thing where you just trot them off and, and rip their clothes off and have a bra and panties match because WWE doesn't do that anymore. So oh no, when they're not just sex objects, what do we do with our female wrestlers? Uh, and the answer is a whole lot of nothing at all. Uh, <laughs> and a great example I think was this title match, which I actually timed it because I predicted that it would last five minutes, and it actually lasted almost seven. Whoa! Yeah, watch out. Uh, but it was horrible. It was it was painful to watch. Uh, AJ and Paige are both great wrestlers. Uh, AJ is probably the most complete wrestler in in the women's division right now. She can actually wrestle well. She cuts decent promos. People like her. Good charisma. Uh, Paige, people like her, but she cut some of the worst promos I've ever seen in my entire life. Totally not ready to be on television. So on, on Monday night, she did her big heel turn, but they kind of teased it at Battleground, and it was it was painful to watch. She she would just, like, yell at AJ in between moves, and it was like they would, they would stop. So she would, like, body slam her, and then they would just both stand there for five seconds, and Paige would yell, Come on, AJ, come on! <laughs> and it, it was just like, what, what are you doing? It was weird. And... And again, uh, I mean, Michael Cole and, and JBL already—they already always sound bored whenever there's a Divas match on. Like, well, they totally clock it. I mean, out. during it's terrible during the pay per view. Yeah, it, during the pay per view, they were cutting a WWE Network promo during it. Like Michael yep. Cole was, you know, it's oh six months, you know, nine ninety nine a month, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, and then they had this really awkward moment where Michael Cole said something like. Now there's AJ Lee, and she's the she might be the greatest diva of all time because she held the title for a year or something like that. And then JBL, he does this a lot, I think, because he's an idiot. Um, he just breaks character just to prove a point sometimes. So he just stopped. He was just like Moolah, fabulous Moolah, about Moolah. And then and then Michael Cole doesn't know what to say. So there's this really long awkward pause, and he's like. Well, Moolah was the women's champion, and 
AJ is the diva. Yeah. Although they did give it set up the punchline for one of my favorite jokes of the evening, where Jerry the King Lawler said, "Mool has held the women's title since the there's been daylight." And so <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. God. He had some other crack about Moolah too. That was yeah. It was yeah. It was pretty good. But I mean, even during the match, they they weren't calling it no. during the entire thing. There, right? I mean, and that to me that was a sign that like at least WWE, the announcers at the very least, and I don't know if the writers or the, the company itself doesn't seem to be taking the women's division seriously. You know, cutting no, promos during it, uh, talking about their Twitter feud, and then talking about what frenemies means. And yeah. I don't know. They're just trying to explain it. To, I don't know what they're trying to do with the frenemies. But yeah, it yeah. just it doesn't seem like they're... At least the announcers weren't taking the match seriously. Mm-hmm. And that makes me ask the question, why should we then? You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of your job as an announcer too. Especially if a, if a match is going to shit, it's your job as an announcer to make me kind of forget how shitty it is and they certainly didn't do that at all it was embarrassing it was just horrible absolutely horrible and it's two very talented people and it's just shitty and then the next the next night on raw they had a match where it was and this was Paige's heel turn so you have aj and Paige on a team and then you have emma and uh, uh natalia so if, if you were to like isolate probably the four most talented like er, Pure wrestlers, as far as the Divas Division goes. That's, there you go, right there. Maybe throw Naomi in there, too. She's she's pretty solid. But, again, the match lasts for, like, three minutes. They don't get to really wrestle at all, and it's just a total wash. So who gives a fuck? I don't give a fuck. Although, I mean, I've been listening to, a, you know, a lot of wrestling podcasts and whatnot. The, the joke at my house now is that all Casey does is listen to old guys talk about wrestling. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll watch all the legends of wrestling on the network. And now you I'll get just, to talk about it with not so I, old guys. Exactly. But uh, some of the podcasts, they just, they just loved the what the diva stuff is doing. Like, they think the wrestling... Maybe it's just they think the wrestling's good, and I don't know if they like the storylines or what, but they just... They, I mean... I was listening to a podcast today where the people were saying, yeah, the Divas match between... The best match of the night was between Divas and Tag Team Championship. Wow. Yeah, that's that's insane. Well, I mean, maybe that speaks more to how shitty the pay-per-view well, was. That could I don't be know. it, yeah. <laughs> and how shitty women's wrestling has been for years. At least how it's been marketed and treated. Yeah. So, well, it's, it's, it's always been a total throwaway, I guess. Uh, I mean, in the 90s, they would... They would constantly just get rid of the women's title just out of nowhere, and then it'd be gone for two, three years, and then just oh, bring it back unceremoniously, get rid of it mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, but the thing that really sucks is if you watch the uh, the women's division on NXT, the booking there is fantastic, and you actually like uh, there's a match between Paige and Emma when Paige became the NXT women's champion, and it's like a full twenty minute match, and it's amazing. Wow! And uh, Summer Rae's work in NXT. Is pretty solid, and you know they're not bringing up the fact that Fandango dumped her on Twitter every three seconds. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's that's her entire storyline. So who's Summer Rae? Well, in NXT, she's an excellent uh, wrestler and she's very accomplished. And when you bring her up to WWE, oh well, she's Fandango's boyfriend. And he dumped her, so that's a storyline. Uh, Emma, what what is she? She's a fantastic competitor in NXT. You bring her up to WWE, she dances around like an asshole with Santino. <laughs> I, I wonder how many women are in the the like. WWE's writer's room, you know, like, like I mean, that's <laughs> Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, it. yeah, I mean, really, if that, I mean, <laughs> well, she that, was a creative consultant. Oh, was she? Okay, yeah, but I, I mean, I just 
Well, she's arrested now, so... Yeah, she's, she's been arrested, so... Uh, assault? Maybe you missed not, it? Brie Bella? Not supposed to break kayfabe? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably a big problem, too. Uh, I'm sure they, they set up all the main storylines, which all involve men, and then the women are just like, well, they're popular, what do we do with them? And I think that the natural inclination for them is, well, let's use a man to push their storyline sure. forward, because that's, that's what they know. So, yeah, that's probably a big part of it. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, Rusev and Jack Swagger. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting one. Oh, Lana. Oh, yeah. Lana, 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 and your Malaysian airline joke. <laughs> that was pretty rough. That pissed off a lot of people. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. Like, she said it, and I was like, what? And I actually rewound it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was, that was in poor taste. <laughs> Not good. Way too soon. Uh, and then I didn't like the WWE apology, too, where they're like, oh, well, you know, if somebody misunderstood what we were trying to say, uh, what, what exactly were you trying to say? I mean, but I don't think anybody would have blinked twice if that happened in the Attitude Era. Oh, no. no I mean, all. yeah. No. It's just the context of the, the family, or the now, is it the now era? Yeah, yeah. the now era, or the reality yeah, era, yeah. or the PG era. I don't, yeah, I don't know if they've said a lot of names. <laughs> Yeah, if, if that was Attitude, I mean, God, Vince Russo would shit out something like that every week, so... Yeah. And Attitude was also pre-9-11. Yeah, that's that's part of it, too, I think. Um, and, yeah, it's... I don't know. Yeah, 15 years ago, that probably would have gone over and nobody would have said anything. But And even 10 years ago, uh, I, I was talking to you about this uh, last week. I was doing some research for something, mm-hmm. and uh, I came across a storyline from... I think it was 2005, maybe? And it was between Kurt Angle and Booker T. So the whole push for the storyline was Kurt Angle hates gutter sluts. Okay. And then that moves on to... Naturally. Yeah, and then, and then that moves on to uh, Kurt Angle thinks that Booker T's wife is a gutter slut. And Booker T gets angry. Naturally. And then that moves on to Kurt Angle wants to rape Booker T's wife. So I don't know how that works. But uh, there was all these... Weird, weird promos. Like, there's one where Booker T's wife goes back to the hotel room and, and like, Kurt Angle's standing there in the bathroom in his underwear. And uh, they, they had a match at a pay-per-view. And if, if Booker T won, then Kurt Angle had to back off because, obviously, that's how you settle these things, right? We don't get the place involved. Uh, <laughs> you have a wrestling match, silly. So they have their match, and Booker T wins... But Kurt Angle's not having it. So he goes backstage, and there, you, I mean, there's video clips of this, and he just, like, gets on Booker T's wife, and she's screaming and, like, fighting him off. And then, so then they settle it, because you, you can't just settle it once. you got to settle it again and again. And their, their, their final match, it's Booker T and his wife against Kurt Angle in a handicap match. So in this match, and there's some real great gifts of this online, uh, every time Booker T's wife is in the ring with Kurt Angle... He just like gyrates his dick all over her, like over and over again. Like he puts her in a power bomb and he's like humping the back of her head and just like crazy shit like this. And this is post attitude. This is 2005 where apparently it's fine for Kurt Angle to rub his fucking balls all over Booker T's wife. I mean, just it's insane. It's insane some of the things that they got away with and nobody said anything. I didn't. I didn't remember that. I think because nobody was watching it at that point. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's Which is, I mean, that's probably a big reason why wrestling doesn't get as much criticism as it probably should, because nobody's fucking watching. Yeah. 
So, but anyway, the Rusev and the Swagger. Yeah, sorry match. about the tangent. No, no, no. <laughs> I had to talk about Kurt Angle's yeah. balls real quick. Sorry. Well, when, when aren't we talking about that? Uh, but with the the Swagger storyline, but he is just flipped over. I mean, he had the the whole tea party pretty. Uh, I don't want to say racist stuff, but it, I mean it was invoking a lot of yeah. race. Xenophobic, and like, at least. Yeah, xenophobic. Well, well, and the reason that I don't want to say it is because I I also watched a because Glenn Beck called uh, uh, Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger racist, oh, yeah, and then the, then they cut a promo and then broke kayfabe. And then just explain to Glenn Beck how stupid he was that they were characters. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen this, you should it was go. Really, yeah, it was really, really good. Wow. And yeah. so yeah, and so I mean, I understand that they're playing characters and and angles like that. But boy, I mean, they like everybody was down with We the People. You know that mm-hmm. really that popped and everybody loved it. And uh, I, I mean, it was just a placeholder match. I would imagine that they're going to keep this feud up, and then Swagger is going to win at SummerSlam. Yeah, uh, which is kind of problematic to me because. I mean, Rusev, you set him up as this unstoppable force, and clearly they want him to be a big-time main eventer because he's not really competing for like the Intercontinental Belt or the U.S. Heavyweight Belt or anything right now. Um, and Jack Swagger's kind of a pile of shit. Uh, I mean, prior to his feud with Rusev, he was pretty much getting beat week in, week out by everybody. I mean, everyone short of Sin Cara has pinned him in the last two months. And it's weird that he just comes out of nowhere and he's the guy that can stop... Rusev. Not Big E. Not Big yeah, Well, <laughs> I think we're going <laughs> to talk about We can talk about that in a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so, I, I don't know. And then, they, they did, I don't think they did a great job. I, I guess they didn't have to because the crowd bought it. But they didn't really do a great job of selling his, his face turn. Um, I mean, he injured Bad News Barrett. And then he was just like, we don't like Rusev because he hates America. And then everyone's like, yay. And that's that's pretty much it. Um I don't think they put a lot of effort into it, but you know, it works. It's it's your Rocky storyline. It writes itself. Yeah, but a, what a terrible ending, though. Jack Swagger just kind of flipped into the the post and just, yeah. <laughs> oh, he counted out. Yeah, countouts in a pay per view are always kind of a bummer. But I, I mean, I, I don't know what else you do there because you don't want you don't want him to win yet. Yeah, and. Um, you know you can't you can't have Rusev beat him outright, so it's it's either that or a DQ. That's yeah. Which I think they wrestled was it Monday or no? It wasn't Monday because that's when no, Rusev it was the main up. event on Tuesday. Yeah, night, main yeah. event on Tuesday, and I think uh, Rusev was DQ'd in that one. Yep. So I guess I guess you could have swapped the two, but yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how you have to play it. Um, okay, we talked a little bit about Rollins and Ambrose already. I mean, what's there to talk about? Nothing. It didn't happen. Uh, Jericho and Bray Wyatt. What are, what are you? What are your thoughts on that one? That's that's my reaction too. I mean, not <laughs> impressive, not really interesting. No, it kind of felt like been. it was in slow motion, and I yeah. don't know why. Well, one of the things, like you know, Bray Wyatt's like eye was—he had a black eye and a yeah. ton of stitches, and yeah, he I mean, a little bit out of it. Yeah, I, I, you have to imagine that they're trying to keep it a little tame. Because mm-hmm. you know he gets hit, he breaks it open. He's going to be bleeding everywhere, and yeah. I want to avoid that as much as possible. But I mean, this just another place marker uh, for going forward into SummerSlam. I yeah, think. I mean, exactly. this feud is going to continue. We saw it on Monday night, where you know Bray uh, or the Wyatts seemed to jump Jericho backstage in the locker room, and mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's just another placeholder match. Yeah. It just And there wasn't a lot of psychology behind it, though, I didn't think. Like, there wasn't anything, like, I understand no. keeping the action of it tame, but... Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I don't think there was much of a build, either, because when Jericho came back, I think they had, what, like, two, three weeks to build it? Yeah. And it, it could have used a little bit more development. Um, and Bray Wyatt does this thing. I, I love Bray Wyatt in the ring sometimes, but other times... He's, he can either be the best guy in the company or the absolute worst, and this was not a good night for him. Yeah, uh, They didn't look like they were comfortable with each other in the ring at all. The ending was fucking weird. Uh, I actually, You guys, seriously, tonight, when you get home, go back and watch the end of that match. It's bizarre. Yeah, well, it's not a full code, code breaker that he gives them. It's just no. like this... And it's out of nowhere. Like, Bray Wyatt's <laughs> just standing there, and Chris Jericho's just standing there, and he walks over, and it's just like, code breaker, and then that's it. And you're like, what, that... It, it just reminds me like when you're playing a wrestling video game and you just, you know, you, you, you hit your special, <laughs> ah! Yep, game over. Yeah, that was it. It was really, really weird. Yeah, something I had read online, though, is that I think that this originally was supposed to be a CM Punk spot uh, against Bray Wyatt, you know, and like, oh, so Jericho okay. is maybe filling a, a hole there. Um, I'm not sure where I remember, remember that. I try and cite my sources. But, uh, <laughs> I so, guess that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and, that seems like a decent storyline, you know? But, yeah, and so it just, you know, Jericho, he's only going to be there. He's part-time right now. You know, this is just kind of a feud that's to keep the, the Wyatts, to give them some heat and keep them hot a bit. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's It'll probably start picking up, you know, come a month from now, SummerSlam. So. Did you buy the new Fozzie album? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right, yeah, we talked about the, uh, the Intercontinental Championship Battle Royal. Uh, one more thing on that. I wonder if the because nobody fucking likes the Miz, and this maybe I'm just being cynical here. Uh, maybe it's a brief Miz push because he's got that stupid movie coming out. Yeah, it's got to be. Seems like a promotional it's, it's thing. It like the Marine Four or what? yeah, the Marine something. Marina, no John Cena. Marina, <laughs> the Marina. The Marina. It's great. He he just he just lays on the ground and people stack boats on him. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Ted DiBiase the second Marine? Was no, it? or was Ted DiBiase in Behind Enemy Lines? <laughs> I think it was both. <laughs> Maybe he was No, wasn't. Behind Enemy Lines was Kennedy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the long and storied history of uh, wrestlers in, in movies. My favorite is actually, uh, there's there's a slasher movie starring Kane. It's called See No Evil. Oh, the I, sequel's coming to that. I, I saw that opening night. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I tried going to The Omen. It came out the same weekend as The Omen. Couldn't get into The Omen because it was 6606. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, well, I guess we'll go see See No Evil. See, see, Maybe it wasn't opening night, but that's the reason I ended up seeing that in the theater. I love that movie because... Kane doesn't even try. It's just Kane as Kane. Like his his character is just like, hey, what if Kane just killed like teens? Oh my god, dude! You hear what he did to Undertaker's family, <laughs> to his own family? <laughs> oh god. Uh, well, and then we had we had our main event: uh, Cena, Kane, Orton, and Roman Reigns. How exciting was that? Steve? I was stunned by the outcome. Really? No. Really? John Cena <laughs> I mean, Who knew? I mean, with that SummerSlam poster leaking, I, I was totally, could not believe it. And the near falls were kind of fun. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Um, obviously, they're trying to push Roman Reigns for the future. I personally am not that excited by him. I mean, I he, don't think he's that interesting. I, no. it's, he needs some mic skills to yeah. help. I, like, I think he's... 
the, all of the members of, of the Shield I like a lot, but uh, he's probably the worst off yeah. post Shield because yeah. you know Rollins is you know Money in the Bank. Dean Ambrose is just crazy, and it, mm-hmm. I like Dean Ambrose's <laughs> yeah, his great. gimmick. Um, but yeah, I mean they're really they're really pushing Roman Reigns, but he just he doesn't seem to have a lot of charisma. Yeah, yeah, and and the fans love him. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, what's what's his gimmick? If Dean Ambrose is crazy and, um, you know, uh, what's his face? Uh, why am I playing? Rollins. Seth Rollins is, you know, he's he's the sellout and he's slimy. Well, what's what's Roman Reigns? He's, he just, he's just a white guy with hair. That's what he is. He's Samoan. He's Samoan. Yeah, look at him. I don't <laughs> like his new tights either. It looks like he, he took his old stuff and he had some sidewalk chalk and he let, like, a small <laughs> child just draw lines on it. It's weird. He's just got... And he's wearing like Jenko pants from 1997, and it's it's really weird. I don't, I'm not down with it. It's like a Hardy Boy in a vest. He does look like a Hardy Boy in a vest. The oh, Roman Reigns was briefly with the Minnesota Vikings, though. By the way, really? Yeah, he uh, started out in the NFL, and uh, I can see that. he's got a bit of a linebacker build to him. Yep, and he's also cousins with uh, the Rock. I did not yeah, know yeah. that. His dad is Sika from the uh, the Wild Samoans. Huh. Well, and then the, you guys, you guys are like walking Wikipedia well, pages. The Usos are first cousins once removed uh, with Roman Reigns, also. Huh. It's interesting. One big incestuous. One big yeah. incestuous yeah. That's what wrestling's all about. <laughs> yeah, that match. I don't know. I mean, again, it had it had a real like raw finale feel to it, more so than like a main event. Um, I think. I mean, with the exception of Roman Reigns, because he hasn't been doing the main eventing thing for that long. Uh, Cena, Kane, and Orton could do that match in their sleep. They've probably done it like a thousand times. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and the booking for it and the, the storyline behind it is kind of weird, too, because it seems like a pretty simple finger poke of doom setup to me. You know, it's one thing at Money in the Bank where it's like, oh, Kane has to help him and, and stuff like that. But even though Kane was kind of on the fence, apparently, you know, because he attacked Orton and whatnot, um, they set it up so in the beginning he was actually trying to help Orton win. So why don't you just. You know, let Orton put you in a headlock and tap out immediately if that's what you're going to do. But, right. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the vignette between uh, old Kane and Orton was really weird earlier in the night, too, where it just, like, Orton, Kane! You know, yeah. just trying to whisper to find Kane. And just Kane comes up, you shouldn't have come here, Randy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not Kane, by the way. It's the demon Kane. Yeah, the Make demon. sure you say it the right way. I prefer him as the big red machine. But... Why, why are they doing that? What, what is the? Is there some sort of logic behind calling him the demon Kane? Is that... I, I don't know. I mean, he's been around for a while. We we know who he is. You're not you're not selling anything here. I don't. Well, the the benefit of being the devil's favorite demon is never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> that's what Kane said. That's that's the demon Kane said. That's how they differentiate between corporate Kane and now. Yeah, not this not Kane. corporate Kane. Although it's interesting, a little bit of history. The Undertaker, when he first came to the WWE, right after Survivor Series, for a while on TV, they billed him as Kane, the Undertaker. Huh, that's weird. Yeah, I did not know that. In fact, I think you can look up look it up on YouTube. I think there's actual footage that exists from like a wrestling challenge episode, and Gorilla Monsoon's like, "Oh, Kane the Undertaker, this youngster, (laughs) (laughs) this youngster." Oh Lord, yeah, I I don't get the Kane thing at all. Um, all right, so uh, we talked about the uh, the Divas Division a little bit already. I want to touch on that, so I think we got that nailed. The other thing that I want to talk about was 
this new nation of domination thing that seems to be forming. Uh, so the other night, um, well, first let's let's start off with the beginning of, of Raw because I think this kind of leads into it. Uh, Triple H came out and he kind of addressed the fans and he sort of made fun of how people talk about the WWE and the internet. So it seems like he's been reading some forum posts or something or uh, perhaps an article in the Atlantic. <laughs> and, you know, and he kind of made fun of the fans for, you know, trying to dictate how WWE does things and yada, yada, yada and poke fun at people. And then, and this is right after the Atlantic article came out that talked about WWE's race problem, we have... Uh, Xavier Woods come out in a, in a nice suit and some glasses uh, and he gets Biggie and Kofi Kingston together and he says, you know, I'm sick of us getting stepped on. It's time we take what we want. Uh, so, maybe a new nation of domination thing? Is that is that WWE's answer to their, their race problem? Is to have look at the black people, the group again? Is that... <laughs> well, it's one way of saving the reputation. <laughs> <laughs> Is Farouk going to come out with his comical, like, hat or what? I think Ron Simmons is just going to come out and say, Damn! Yeah, that's, that's, that's his thing. That's what he does. <laughs> well, and the thing, as us three white men are that's sitting right. here discussing race. The authority on race. Yeah, well, three naturally. Guys, naturally. But the, like I mean, the Atlantic article, for all of you listeners out there, Dion Barry, go take a look at it. It's what, pro wrestling is fake, but it's race problem isn't. It was a, it was a good article. It, you know, it addressed some serious problems and really it kind of based it all a lot on the fact that Rusev was beating a bunch of jobbers, essentially, and mm-hmm. a lot of them were black. And yeah. that, that just kind of raised the question, you know, why are so many jobbers in uh, the WWE black? And so, you know, they, there was a lot of talk. I was listening to the Cheap Heat podcast last week where they actually interviewed uh, MVP, who's now in TNA. Mm-hmm. And he took a, he kind of took offense to the fact that, like, because he's got kind of a, a faction going in TNA with a, a couple other uh, African-American wrestlers. And he said that people call them the new nation of domination. And he took offense to being called that just yeah. because he's, he's like, oh, so we're black guys that are in a clique or, you know, we hang out together and all of a sudden we have to be the nation of domination. And so, you know, I don't know what the, the angle is going forward, but they're probably going to be heels, right? You know, oh, Kofi yeah. Kingston, Biggie, and Xavier Woods. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it's... It's good. They'll probably get a bit of a push out mm-hmm. of it, and I mean, it's you know a way to address it. But yeah, I mean, completely came out of the. It, it had to have come out of the Atlantic article where you know Vince McMahon is sitting at home, popping up the Atlantic like, oh, what's on the internet today, and, <laughs> and just typing it up. Like, what the hell is this? The Atlantic, <laughs> and he just uh, calls him Hunter. Have you seen this? I like the idea that, that he calls his son-in-law Hunter. He calls him Hunter, yeah. <laughs> also, hey, game, game. Hey, game, have you seen this article on that thing they call the internet? Uh, I like how you have Vince talking to his computer. <laughs> what is it? You're laughing. But yeah, I mean, like, it's a direct response to it. And it's a serious problem that they're, like, and the, the big point is there's never been... Uh, uh, WWE champion, or like a heavyweight champion that's nope. been black. I mean, other they did uh, point out later that okay, technically the block, or the block, the, block. <laughs> the rock, <laughs> the black rock, black the block. Rock. Um, but the rock, yeah. I mean, he 
he's part black, like, um, but he kind of identifies more with the, the Samoan heritage. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, come on, Rocky Maya Villa. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did read somewhere, I forgot where it was, but where they were talking about when they gave Mark Henry the world championship. Mm-hmm. So, like, the less than WWE championship. Um, and that, I guess, came about after, um, what that, Doc Hendricks, fuck, Michael P.S. Hayes. Oh, yeah. Oh, think, yeah. Like, when he was a road agent, he said something, I think, directly to Mark Henry. He got, like, suspended for it, but he used some sort of racial slur towards him, and it got out into the media, and to do yeah. damage control, I guess they gave him the strap. Yeah, which is, I mean, this is the same guy that they treated like shit for years, too. I mean, yeah. he, he had an entire storyline where he was, like, banging Mae Young, and she gave birth to a hand. I mean, that was <laughs> Let's give Mae Young a hand. <laughs> and he, he'd been working for the company for 12 years at that point. Yeah, before yeah. they even gave him a championship. But I mean, I was going back and watching some Attitude Era stuff and seeing DX come out in blackface. Oh, I mean, God, yeah, 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 that was pretty. Like X-Pac. With yeah. The, oh, so God. this is this isn't new. Like no, this no. is a serious problem yeah. that they they have. And I mean, it's how do they? I wonder how many black people are sitting in the writers' room. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's white men. Another very very low number. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. That's that would be my guess and. Yeah, it just, it's a problem, and I mean, it's good that the WWE is taking note and trying to, mm-hmm. at least trying to address it, but I mean, this is a, a problem that'll go on. But now they're kind of in a catch-22, though, right? Like, yeah. you, you can't really just all of a sudden throw the the, the belt on someone who's black, uh, because it's like, oh, well, that's just a token, you know, token champion then. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a weird position to be in, which is why I'm interested to see... Uh, what they do exactly with this Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, Big E group. Um, it's hard to tell. I mean, SmackDown is probably on, like, now, so maybe they're doing something with it, so sure. this will become irrelevant in an hour. But just just the, the wording and the way it was presented and, and the way he described it, it seems like that's the direction they're going in, especially because I read some stuff online. These are just rumors, but, I mean, if this happens... When Mark Henry makes his return, he's going to join up with them, sure. too. So then that's what makes me think, okay, this is just another... But you look at the three guys they're pushing, none none of them are going to win the championship. Nope. Like, there's no way. Like, no. Big E, or, I mean, the most that you think one of them would do would be maybe Intercontinental. I mean, Big yeah. E was Intercontinental champ. Kofi Kingston was. Um, I mean, Xavier Woods, I... Which, at this point, I mean, why would you even want to be the Intercontinental champ at this point? <laughs> There's all, all you are is you're just a, a patsy to get beaten by the number one contender so that they can fight the. the oh, I mean, I, I mean, mean, becoming intercontinental champ is pretty easy. All you have to do is lay outside the ring of a battle yeah, royal. That's, that's for, all you have to do. <laughs> it's a very prestigious title. <laughs> what about the U.S. title? <laughs> that's that's held by someone so white he glows. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Uh, well, and, and that title, I mean, I guess Sheamus defends it, you know, enough. Uh, but before that, when Dean Ambrose had it, it was hilarious because I don't think he ever defended the title at all. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, can you think of one I, until he lost it, I guess, but I can't think of a single title defense that he actually had. <laughs> no, I can't. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they don't really, it's not like, you know, the 80s or the, or the 90s when the Internet Continental Champion meant something. Like, that was a stepping stone to being the next world heavyweight champion. It's just, it's not like that anymore. Uh, and, and yeah, with, with that group, I mean, Xavier Woods has just been nothing. He's been a jobber. Uh, and he doesn't really have, there's no personality angle for him. 
Kofi is fantastic. He's great to watch. I'd love to see him be a champ, but he can't cut a great promo. Uh, you know, at least he doesn't have a Jamaican accent anymore. So and it would take a, it would take him out of the Royal Rumbles. That's his. Yeah, exactly. Butter. I mean, <laughs> that's another thing. They're always like, Mister Battle Royal, Mister Royal Rumble. Has he ever won a Battle Royal ever in his entire career? Not that I'm aware of. I don't. I, you know, but I'm he's a he's a tough guy to eliminate. He is. He's fun to watch. Although the the. The battle royal at uh, Money in the Bank, he, he, the the near elimination for him is probably my favorite one I've seen, where he goes over the turnbuckle and lands with his feet st- oh, yeah. on the the steps. Still, that, that was, was impressive. I, d- I did like when he leaped onto Biggie's shoulders. Oh yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. But again, it's all for what? So we get eliminated <laughs> yeah, thirty just, seconds later. So you that. get kicked in the head and just fly out. Yeah, exactly. That's that's all that matters. Uh, and, and Biggie, I mean. He's he's got the size. He's got an okay move set for a guy his size. He can actually fly around a little bit, but he actually he cuts the worst promos I've ever seen in my entire life. It, they're not fun to watch at all. Just embarrassing, and that's a problem because you know if you can't cut a John Cena promo, you can't be the champion. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's wrap this up talking about. SummerSlam, uh, WWE going forward, Brock Lesnar, Sting, all that good stuff. Uh, let's talk about Sting first because you, you mentioned he was at the, the Comic-Con. Yeah, he showed up at Comic-Con on their WWE's panel. I think they were promoting like their action figures yep. and other stuff. And it was just Hulk Hogan, Daniel Bryan, and uh, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman. Oh. And uh, towards the end of the conference, they announced the Sting action figure, and then he actually comes out. It's a big surprise, and I actually didn't get a chance to watch the panel or see what he talked about, but he discussed working with WWE, at least not necessarily for them, but yeah. the fact that he's showing up at this panel at Comic-Con, I think, says a lot, and they're obviously going to be doing something with him beyond licensing him for t-shirts and video games. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're still working on the contract negotiation, because... Uh, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, Sting is kind of like CM Punk in that Sting owns Sting. Mm -hmm. So when the WWE bought WCW, they didn't buy buy Sting. So now they've got this deal with him so they can put him in in the video games and they can do action figures, but they still haven't finalized the contracts that can actually get his ass in the ring and give us Undertaker versus Sting at WrestleMania 31. I don't don't (laughs) think that'll ever happen. It probably won't, because the Undertaker is dead. Brock Lesnar literally, like, killed his ass. I don't... Yeah. He's he's probably got like a traumatic brain injury at this point. How do you think Gordon Summer feels about uh, Sting having the trademark to Sting? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> That's two Sting references yeah. in a row for everybody listening to this podcast, <laughs> by the way. I've always said that Sting is the desert rose of WCW. <laughs> Well, he kind of is. Well, and for a while, he was he was he was, he was just from the he was in the rafters, and pretty much I'll be watching you. Yeah, that's exactly, all he did in exactly WCW for a but long he's time. Still, the only guy who's exclusively WCW. Yeah, until now. Yeah, yeah, he is. And it's still fascinating that somebody with that much pedigree mm-hmm. is still like there's still excitement, even though he's 55 years old. Like this is still a relevant thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm excited about it. He came out at the panel full geared up, you know, Sting, and he had the baseball bat with him. Oh, we uh, we were just watching it before uh, came here. Just I kind of fast forwarded it to the end. He's only in like the last five ten minutes of the panel. Um, so they're not bringing back bleach blonde buzz cuts. <laughs> Surprisingly, not. He's going to be in the video game that way. That's going to be an alternate. Outfit. Oh, hey, an alternate skin. <laughs> 
Hold on. Beer, we need a, a beer take here. <laughs> Thanks! The most important part of any podcast. Some Steve Weisers. Steve <laughs> I'm just drizzling it into my mouth. I'm actually <laughs> drinking it. Yeah, we don't. We're just high fiving with them. And yeah, I like to. I like to pour it down my shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, that'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. Because I mean, everybody would have loved to see a Sting and Undertaker match. It would have been better ten years ago. It's probably not going to happen. So what do you do with Sting? Going to happen? I. I mean, every WrestleMania, the Undertaker always has this like weird injury, and I'm not trying to. Delegitimize the fact that he had a concussion, spent the night in the hospital. Yeah, but I mean, he's got a year to recover. I just, and, I, and it might be both of their swan songs. When you go out, you go out on your back, and that's Undertaker went out. The streak is over. Like that's, yeah, yeah, that's I, I mean, there's like almost no purpose for for him to come back at WrestleMania. It's like, oh, so I can be twenty two and one. It's just, yeah, it's, it's not the same. That, I mean, well, do I we want to see it at this point? I mean, Sting's 100 years old. The Undertaker's 100 years old. That Lesnar-Undertaker uh, uh, match was horrible. It was not fun to watch until the end we were like, what the fuck? But well, I think that's maybe why he lost the streak, is because if he does this thing with Sting, you know, if Sting comes in, you have this storyline like, oh, the Undertaker has a streak, but, you know, Sting is new. So neither one of them has to lay down for anybody now. That actually mm-hmm. makes it... A marquee match just on its own, so there's not this streak versus Sting kind of thing. Yeah, because okay. I think that would have been very distracting to have a streak match with Sting, mm-hmm. where the, what's interesting about it is just having the Undertaker and Sting. Yeah, well, and I mean, who do you who do you match him up against if it's not the Undertaker? I mean, that's point? a good question. Not the Ultimate Warrior anymore. I mean, and, oh, rest in peace. Bray <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wyatt, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Which, watching that Ultimate Warrior DVD, by the way, there's that whole segment where they talk about The Undertaker locks him in the coffin. It's just very... Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't mean to deal with it, but... It's oh, like The Ultimate Warrior. slightly more poignant and all of a sudden. It's just... I could watch that, like, post-Papa Shango puke scene. Like, <laughs> a thousand times. Oh, yeah. The, he must have hated the guy that he was puking on, because there was, there was a lot of directed <laughs> projectile vomiting going on there. I think... Anyway, <laughs> these are all good things you should go find on YouTube. Yeah. But the Just stay on, it's coming yeah. back to business. The I think I think you bring up a lot of good points, uh, Stone Cold Steve. That it's the without with the streak being out of the way. That's I mean it's it would be a marquee match. Mm-hmm. Like nonetheless, like I I didn't think about it from that angle, but I think that that would be a good booking, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean the only other thing you can do is once you have Sting signed, if you bring somebody else up from NXT, say like an Adrian Neville or something like that, he's popular with the fans and you want to get him over, um, then I guess you have him kick Sting's ass. But do we really want to see Sting lose? That's that's the other thing too. Yeah. Well, so like you said, if you're gonna go out, you go out on your back. That is true. Um, but I mean, if, if you're gonna have like Sting's big match, uh, I don't know. I could see them giving it to somebody like Bray Wyatt, though. It's not The Undertaker. Yeah, Bray, Bray Wyatt makes sense. I, I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, Sting's mopey crow ass against, you know, crazy cult leader Bray Wyatt. Or maybe they'll bring CM Punk back. <laughs> yeah. I, I like how, uh, for some reason, I have a Samsung phone, and it gives me news updates based on, like, my interests. So it knows that I Google wrestling. So every morning I wake up, and it has, like, 10 CM Punk stories that are like breaking news CM Punk ate a sandwich like that <laughs> yeah I did want to ask you guys about it, if we're ready to go to the next topic I wanted mm-hmm. to maybe bring up CM Punk because he's 
did this he's eating like, a sandwich interview. he's eating a sandwich yeah huh. um, but he did the interview like on a red at some sort of red carpet event and they actually yeah. asked him outright hey when are you coming back to the WWE and he's just like oh never ever never 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 what did you watch the actual yeah, video yeah you just see the transcript because yeah. well I heard that he was being like kind of in a pissy mood and he was being sarcastic the whole time anyway. he was yeah. like I mean the video itself it I didn't take away like if you just read the transcript or you just read the headline or whatever then it's like CM Punk's never coming back to the WWE, but that's not the way the actual interview kind of came off. I thought it yeah. just—it was kind of like it's like oh, he was just being sarcastic. He was kind of mm-hmm. being like because they're like oh, what's been going on in your life? And he, like he showed that he got married. He's like oh, this, you know. He showed his wedding ring. He's like oh, yeah. And they're like so when are you come back in the wrestling ring? And he's just like nah, yeah. And they're like oh, come on when? And he's just like never, never, ever, 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 ever. And like he's just, yeah. he just kidding, obviously, but. Uh, I, I mean, I, he doesn't have any plans to do it anytime soon. Um, but I think he loves wrestling a lot. If somebody throws a giant pile of money at him and he's ready and he's healthy, he'll come back. What if this is just the greatest work of all time? If this is the greatest work of all time, I will never say another critical word about the <laughs> WWE writing room ever again. Because seriously, you can uh, be as yeah. racist and as misogynistic <laughs> as you want. <laughs> And it's good to job of it for over 30 years. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing they know quite well. Um, I don't think they have it in them. I mean, they can't even keep, like, Cena and, and Lesnar for SummerSlam under wraps. Yeah. So I, I don't think they, they have the capacity to keep this under wraps for this long. Well, there is a rumor going around, too, that they're planning on filing action against... Oh, yeah, because uh, it just walked out. Yeah. And- I like I, the, the more I've been watching the, the network, though, I've been appreciating CM Punk more as like I go back oh, and watch yeah. his matches and this guy you know CM Punk is, he's great mm-hmm. he I, cut great problems. yeah and the, yes. the pipe bomb and just man like I, I like them a lot and like I've I'm gaining greater appreciation for him now that he's gone yeah I mean when it was like when he got eliminated from the Royal Rumble I was like, <laughs> take that CM Punk <laughs> and then he was gone for real. That's <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I felt like a dick. Yeah, I felt like it's a real Casey's a-hole. fault, everybody. That's why CM Punk's not around anymore. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, going back and watching some of his old ma- matches, especially the, you know, the infamous uh, Money in the Bank 2011, that mm-hmm. is an incredible match. It's, it's so great. And just, there, there's that moment where uh, the crowd's chanting, you can't wrestle. And obviously, they mean John Cena. And CM Punk just kind of stops. He's like, me like he just mouths me and then everybody's like boos that and then he points to John Cena and everybody cheers. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, guy can uh, he can work a crowd. Uh, okay, so before we wrap things up, uh, do you want to talk uh, Brock Lesnar briefly? Wow, didn't see that coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I I was watching the uh, post Raw show uh, just a little bit earlier. And Alex Riley says, Brock Lesnar showed up. The world was not expecting that. There's no way anybody saw that coming. And like, I think he was trying to be kayfabe serious. Uh, and it wasn't even tongue-in-cheek. But he's like, he's like nobody's seen this coming. It's like, what? The, the promos were leaked. Yeah, it's like ago. literally everyone with the internet saw it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm... I'm actually pumped, and not just because Brock Lesnar is a Minnesota guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a Minnesota guy, and I'm up in Alexandria there. Go Gophers! Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I like it. I think you know David Schumacher on Grantland wrote a really great piece about how Paul Heyman is the biggest star in the WWE right now, mm-hmm. um, mostly because 
I mean, not mostly because, but like a great example of it was the promo that he cut at the end of Raw. Like that's that was the main event of Raw. Yep. Like that was the the last thing that you saw. Yep. And just uh, you know, just reading because you know Shoemaker just wrote the entire transcript out for it, and just I I was reading it on the bus on my way here, and just I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm pumped yeah. for Brock Lesnar, and it's uh, it's probably the best Heyman promo that I've seen. It's unbelievably good and it and yeah it was the main event i mean that was it yeah and uh yeah it was incredible uh and i mean i i don't mind brock lesnar as a part-timer just because i, I don't want to see him every week plus i think he would like legitimately hurt everyone if he weren't wrestled <laughs> every week because he yeah. works yeah. so stiff uh but yeah I, I like i like carting him out because you know you can't appreciate someone until you take him away for a while so you know same thing with the uh with, with daniel bryan i think they should probably keep his ass away. Who I just read right now chased a burglar out of his house. Yes, yes I saw that did. this morning. Yeah, he he legitimately beat a guy's ass in the street, which is pretty cool. Not bad for a dude with a busted up neck. So yeah. I'm guessing that we probably we won't have another one of these podcasts before SummerSlam actually happens. No, probably not. Uh, and so yeah, it's like, oh, hey, is Casey going to be in Milwaukee? Yeah, it's like, what, yeah, what, what are you going to be at? Because that's the answer. So, uh, but the... So what do, what do you think the outcome of the SummerSlam match is going to be between Cena and Lesnar? Will they give the title to a part-time guy with Lesnar where he's just going to come in and just be this ultimate monster that's almost unbeatable until they decide to throw it on the the title on someone else or does Cena win? Like I think oh go ahead Steve. Well, I think they they've been telegraphing that they're going to give it to Lesnar. And I think it's just like I said he's this unstoppable monster. He ended the streak, now he's the champion. And he'll be around for a few months. So working a bigger schedule than he usually does. And then they'll either bring Daniel Bryan back and he'll win it back or they'll give it to Roman Reigns. Somebody. Yeah, biggest work ever. CM Punk comes back and wins it at WrestleMania. Oh <laughs> That'd be can, you, can you imagine? That would be good. That would be very yeah. good. Um, yeah, I, I think... I think WWE Creative doesn't even know yet at this point because I think it depends on a lot of things, uh, mostly Daniel Bryan's recovery timeline. Yeah. Um, I don't want Cena to win. I mean, Cena with a belt around him is just, that's like the, the flavorless oatmeal of the wrestling world. I don't, I don't give a but shit. This could be a good opportunity to turn Cena heel, which everybody hopes for. Is <laughs> He sells Fruity Pebbles. He can't be a heel, Casey. <laughs> but I mean, think about this. You know, the authority helps him win or something because what's best for business is what's best for business. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they help him win and then he becomes an authority man, mm-hmm. you know, because he that owes would, them something. That would be brilliant and that would get everybody back into it if that's how SummerSlam ends. Because I think people want Lesnar to win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just kind of the the way the, the promo was cut, you know, they... Paul Paul Heyman just he's like oh there is you that cheer uh, John Cena and then the other ones of you whose mommies don't tuck you in at night <laughs> yeah, yeah. boo him <laughs> and, and the and, and just kind of like just uh, the you know like but and then you also have Lesnar who's always booed um, like. You know, Paul Heyman was booed at the Comic Con uh, panel <laughs> because he came out. He's he's like, I'm the one behind the one in 21 <laughs> and one. Lesnar. Yeah, my client Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and so he was booed at the Comic Con panel. Well, Michael Cole was boo- booed well, I'm too. Do the shit out of Michael <laughs> yeah. Cole too. But yeah, JBL had hit with a tire iron. I kind of like JBL's commentary. <laughs> like, he's not very good at it, but he's he's got some good lines here and there. <laughs> 
JBL, I mean, the one thing I like about JBL, Michael Cole is just standard issue shitty. JBL is shitty in a fun way where it's just like, it's way up or way down. Either he's horrible and insufferable or he's so fucking stupid that he just says something and I'm like, I, I love it. Like when he did the Moolah thing, which he never should have done in a million years. <laughs> it was perfect because it just made it super awkward and he just, he can't let Michael Cole one-up him. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, as far as SummerSlam goes, if Cena wins clean I'll, and, and as a face, I mean, that's just, that's the absolute worst possible thing you can do. Yeah. Because then what's your storyline? You don't have one. WWE Creative, if you're listening, just throw gobs of <laughs> money sure at CM are. Punk. Have him come back, win the Royal Rumble. I hope I pick the number in my gambling pool. <laughs> have him go over, beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. You will make tons of money. Yeah, that's all you, he wants. You probably don't even need to give him any money. Just <laughs> tell him that's what you're going to do. You're going to beat Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, I guess he doesn't like money that much, but if you let him win, because have you ever seen the uh, the CM Punk like Best in the World documentary mm-hmm. or whatever? He just really wants the belt. He likes the belt. Get him the belt for like uh, you know just WrestleMania, and then you can fire him again or whatever you want to do, or he can walk out. I don't care. Just just bring him back for a second, and you will be everyone's favorite company in the whole world. That's really he wants that WrestleMania moment kind of thing too yeah yeah absolutely the first time he thought about leaving is because the Miz was in the main event (laughs) but you know he's the Miz the Miz is awesome it's empirically true whenever I hear the Miz I just think about this guy who used to make pool cues (laughs) (laughs) Steve the Miz Mizraki or something (laughs) look it up I, I make pool cues yeah. I, Carve your I, name into it. <laughs> what I think of the Miz, I always go back to when he was on The Real World, and he used to get shit-faced drunk, and then he would take his clothes off and flex and go, I'm the Miz, and do like wrestling moves. And all I could think was, God, if this guy was in a wrestling ring, he'd be the most insufferable son of a bitch in the entire world, and I bet he'd be horrible. And then lo and behold, look mm-hmm. at him. There he is, being exactly what I thought he'd be. The same stupid pile of shit bro that he was in The Real World. <laughs> now he's the Marine. He's the Marina. <laughs> park your boats this summer <laughs> and park your ass in the seats it's the Miz is the marina <laughs> alright on that note uh, I guess that's pretty much everything we want to go through did we miss anything we cover everything you guys want to talk about hey. do you want to talk about your feelings Steve no I'm not alright I am going to hype uh, 1999 SummerSlam before we go I was watching that last okay. night uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Shout out to Minneapolis yes. 1999 SummerSlam. Yeah, a uh, Jesse Ventura guest referee. He had been Ooh. governor for about uh, nine months at that point, I believe. That's so, fun. Yeah. I was at the Raw before summer, that SummerSlam. All right. Week. Steve, anything you want to hype? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. The Andre the Giant show. I'm not involved with it, obviously, but it's hilarious. All three episodes. Okay, so go on YouTube and watch the Andre the Giant show. Uh, and then I want to hype a WWF main event from, I believe it was January 5th, 1986, featuring Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy, where Bobby the Brain Heenan says Bundy Mania like 70 times, and it's hilarious. <laughs> I just like that. Bundy Mania. Okay. So on that note, we're going to be back with our regular podcast in, I don't know, maybe a week or something. Because you're fucking going to Minneapolis, too. What is it with this place? Yeah, Steve's man. leaving. Whenever he gets back, we'll do a regular podcast. All roads lead to Minneapolis. All roads lead to Minneapolis. Thanks for listening.